Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Pastor Doug Stoffer exposes the post-tribulation hoax that's facing the church today. I want to thank everyone who is responding to our Meeting the Mission Matching Gift Campaign. Meeting the Mission is our special effort to match the $1 million gift SWRC has been blessed with. When you give to Southwest Radio Ministries, your gift will be matched. $25 becomes $50. $50 becomes $100. You'll double your impact and ensure that Watchmen on the Wall and all of our ministries will be able to bring clarity to the chaos for many years to come. Would you consider giving $90 in recognition of our 90th anniversary? Like all gifts given at this time, your support will be doubled and go toward meeting the match. 1-800-652-1144. That's the number to call and show your support for SWRC. You can also be part of the match by giving on our website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. If you'd like to give by way of your mobile device, simply text 9490 to 91999. That's 90-F-O-R-9-0 to the number 91999. $90 in honor of our 90th anniversary is an outstanding way to show your support, and it's doubled during this dollar-for-dollar match. Thank you for your support of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. Pastor Doug Stoffer is here to expose the post-tribulation hoax that's facing the church today. In Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 17. So those three synoptic gospels cover the same thing. And it's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And one of the things you've got to understand about uh, this is there's a lot of misunderstanding about Matthew 24. I mean, there are people that say, well, that's the rapture of the church. How many of you ever heard, you know, Matthew 24, verse 31, it's the rapture? Well, there's no rapture whatsoever in Matthew 24. You say, well, he's going to gather together the elect. Yes, for protection, they don't leave the earth. Why? Because the nation of Israel is an earthly people. He gathers them together, they go in the millennium. They don't leave the earth, we leave the earth. Why? We're a heavenly people. They're going to be gathered together for protection, and we'll see all that as we go through. Um, I spent a lot of time on study. Um, I told you, I don't know if I mentioned it exactly this way, but I started out in prophecy by writing a chapter. It's called, Will the Church Go Through the Tribulation? It's over there now. They've reprinted it again. And uh, Noah Hutchings asked me to write that. Well, I wasn't real schooled on prophecy, so I had to start writing. Well, then, then Prophecy in the News asked me to speak in the little room. You know, there were like 350 people, something like that. And then... Um, from there, after I spoke there, it was like, look, we want you to speak in the main room. And I'm thinking, well, I just, told, I just taught everything I know. What does that mean? That means I got six months to work on a you know, whole new sermon. So then I'm in the 1,500 people room. And so I, you know, I got another sermon together, and, and, but, but I got to know it. So I mean, I'm studying, studying, and I write because it helps me to write, to learn it better. And anyway, then I ended up starting, you know, I started writing the books and figuring it out, putting the pieces together. So this Matthew 24 is the same thing because the ace in the hole, the number one ace is Matthew 24 for people that misunderstand the pre-tribulation rapture. They'll say, this is 
the rapture in Matthew 24 because there's a cloud, a trump, got to all be the same thing. That's not true. I studied the clouds out in Revelation. You'd be surprised how many times the Lord uses a cloud to travel. All the time. I mean, you look in when He came down the mount with Moses. It was in a cloud. All right, so what's the context of the gather? We're going to jump over to verse 31 before we go back to the beginning of the chapter. What is the context of the gathering in Matthew 24, 3? The Bible says, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So, this is the context of, of what's going to be asked here. They're wanting to know when is the sign of thy coming, or what is it, and then the end of the world. Now, I skip verses 1 and 2. We'll see why later. You know, there's some that teach, well, verses 1 and 2, therefore everything, you know, the destruction of, it, of the temple, everything was fulfilled in the first century, but it was not. So in verses 4 through 8, he says there's going to be great deception, false Christ, wars, rumors of wars. The end is not yet. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. These are the beginnings of sorrow. So I just covered four verses for you because it's late and I'm the last speaker tonight. So I just covered that, you know, fast. Verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So he's going through chronologically. So, you know, you go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, and then. So we're, we're you know, it's chronological here. Many are offended, betrayed, hated, uh, false prophets, they'll deceive many. Iniquity abounds, love grows cold there in verse 12. And then you look at verse 13, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Well, if you know anybody that teaches endure to the end, what do they teach? Well, you got to work for your salvation, endure to the end. It has nothing to do with the soul's salvation. It has to do with the flesh's salvation. Um, so, who are the two groups who will not endure in the end of, of, of the seven years? Well, number one, it'll be all those that take the mark, worship the beast. They didn't endure the end. They, they uh, uh, lost their soul. They gave up. They didn't live all the way to the end of the seven years. What's the second group? Those that are beheaded, they will not endure the end. Their souls are seen in heaven awaiting the resurrection of their bodies. They didn't endure the end. Does that mean they're lost? No. It just means they got caught. They died. They're beheaded. That's all it means. So, he that shall endure the end, the same shall be saved. Physically saved to go in the millennium when he gathers, he sends his angels and gathers the elect. That's a, you know, it's that simple, yet it is so perverted by those that are trying to teach a dogma that they've been taught. I was taught the same thing. I, taught, I used to teach the same thing. Now I'm dogmatically against it because I do not believe that's what the Bible teaches. So this second group repeatedly is identified in heaven. Those that have, have been beheaded, you could say. Their, their souls, in, in Revelation 6-9, the souls of them that were slain, the Bible says. Uh, Revelation 7-14, these are they which came out of great tribulation. Who are they? They didn't take the mark. They didn't endure to the end. How do you know? They died, and they lost their head. They're beheaded. And uh, these are they that came out of great tribulation. So then in uh, Revelation 20, verse 4, they're talked about again. The souls of them that were beheaded. Well, if they're beheaded, did they make it to the end of the seven years? No. They did not endure to the end. But they're still saved. Their souls saved. That's why their souls in heaven. 
When it says endure the end, it has nothing to do with the soul. It has to do... Remember it says, um, uh, if he didn't shorten the days, no flesh shall be saved. So what's the context? It's not the soul, it's the flesh. Okay? The souls never beheaded, they did not worship the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark upon their, uh, upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So now you're talking about the millennium. So they died, they're saved, they've trusted Christ, they, they get beheaded, um, they end up at the altar uh, in heaven. So in Matthew 24, 14, so we looked at verse 13, now we're in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. How many of you heard the teaching that, wait a minute, Jesus can't come back because we've got to get that last nation to hear the gospel? Well, that's not true teaching either. Because when, when you look at it, this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached again, and then the end shall come. What does Paul say about the gospel of the grace of God? And by the way, gospel just means good news. So was, it the, was, was the gospel of the kingdom good news about the kingdom to the nation of Israel? Is the gospel of the grace of God good news for us? Sure. It doesn't mean there can't be more than one gospel. There is. There has to be. Because if you're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and Peter doesn't understand when he runs to the sepulcher, he looks in and he wonders, in him, wonders what's come to pass, he doesn't understand the death, burial, and resurrection, right? Well, wait a minute. Isn't that the gospel of the grace of God? but he's out preaching the gospel, it must be something different. They're not preaching the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Jesus told them about it, but he didn't open their understanding until after he had died on that cross. For had they, had they understood, the prince of the world would have known, and he wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Corinthians says that. So I, I'm giving you a lot, but that's how I teach. I just want to give you enough to where when you walk away, you say, well, I didn't get it all, but I'm also preaching to the choir. You know, in other words, you guys have some knowledge, so I can go ahead and preach a little bit, little bit heavier. Um, so then the end shall come. Look at what Paul says about the gospel. It says, the gospel of the kingdom preached in all the world, then the end shall come. Paul says the gospel's already gone out in all the world. Colossians 1.23. If you continue in the faith, ground and settle, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. Paul says the gospel of the grace of God that he preaches has already gone out in all the world. The gospel of the kingdom has not. It doesn't mean there's two different modes of salvation. It's still trusting in the revelation God gives all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Now the... Now, now the, the, revel, the uh, the revelation or the illumination or whatever God gives may differ. People aren't looking forward to the cross. How can you have people looking forward to the cross and uh, the women come back and they say, we've seen the resurrected Christ. What did Peter and, and them say? Well, they seemed like idle tales and they believed him not. You think Thomas was saved? Unless I put my fingers in the holes, my hand in his side. You think he was trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection, yet he was already saved. How do you know that? None of them is lost, but the son of perdition. So all those 11 were saved already, but yet they did not understand the death, burial, and resurrection. What did they understand? Enough for God to save them. Whatever that was, he says none of them is lost, but the son of perdition. So that's important to understand. I love trying to straighten up teaching that I was taught wrong. 
because I know a lot of other people that were taught the same type thing. And listen, it, it, it's a struggle out there because, um, you know, they, they, if you don't believe like everybody else believes and you don't believe like certain groups, they're going to attack you. It's fine. Man, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been at this a long time. I've, I've, I've heard it all. Uh, probably not. I probably have a whole lot more right here, but I've heard enough <laughs> to where I got pretty thick skin. Acts 20, 24, I have received the Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel, the grace of God. That's what Paul's preaching. The gospel, the grace of God was preached to all during the first century. In Colossians again, in verse, chapter 1, verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye have heard, uh, in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. So has the gospel gone in all the world? Yes. Can't argue with that. Can Jesus come back? But it doesn't even... Matthew 24 is talking about something else. But I'm just telling you, if you've got a problem with it, I'm showing you Colossians says the gospel of the grace of God has gone in all the world. Can Jesus come back today? Yeah, nothing's stopping them. So anybody that teaches that everybody's got to hear the, the gospel first doesn't understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. And by the way, if anybody is searching for truth, if there's somebody over there, and I've been to the deepest jungles in Venezuela, we flew in on a plane 500 miles into the Amazon and, and went into those places that have been evangelized, hadn't been evangelized. I, I've been to this place, that place, and um, listen... I believe if somebody is searching for the truth and says that totem pole is not my God, God will send a missionary. God will put it on a missionary's heart. That missionary's got a choice. Am I going to do what God wants me to do? And if he doesn't do it, maybe God will touch somebody else and touch somebody else and touch somebody else until he gets his job done. All we got to do is submit. All right? So look at what it says in um, Matthew 24, verse 15. Now we're up to verse 15. It talks about the abomination of desolation will stand in the holy place. Judea is going to flee into the mountains. The housetop, uh, don't go into the house. If you're in the field, don't return back. That's through verse 15. And again, I'm, just try I'm not giving you it all because I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Verse 19, Woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. In those days is a very important phrase. Remember that. In those days. Verse 20, But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Now let me ask you, are you praying about that? You know, they say Matthew 24 is the rapture. Well, why aren't you praying about it not being in the winter or not on the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day is nailed to the cross. We're not under the Sabbath. If you gather sticks on the Sabbath day, you know how many times I'd be dead? I'd be dead quite a few times. There, listen, he nailed the Sabbath, Colossians, to the cross. We're not on the Sabbath. We're not on the law. So um, this is the nation of Israel he's talking to here. For then, again, time frame, shall be great tribulation. Now one of the things I like to straighten out on this, it's not the great tribulation. I call it Daniel's 70th week. Why? It's the full seven, seven years. It is great tribulation, meaning it's tribulation that's great, but it's not a period called the tribulation. It's not a period called the great tribulation. Now, we can use that terminology for sake of everybody understanding, but it's Daniel's 70th week. 
Why? Well, we suffer tribulation. Tribulation worketh patience, right? Are you in the tribulation? That's why I like to differentiate between the two. So he says, Then shall be great tribulation, verse 22, and except those days, what days? All those days that he's described, shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And, and, and exactly what that means, I don't know. When he says shortened, it, may, it doesn't mean the number of days are going to be shortened. 1,260 days, 1,260 days, three and a half years, time, time, half times. Those days aren't going to be shortened. But maybe the 24-hour period, the, the bit of light you have may be shortened so that you have more opportunity to escape and hide. It's hard to hide during the daytime. So he says, lest those days should be shortened, uh, no flesh should be saved. And again, that's the context. He that shall endure the end, the same shall be saved. The flesh... The body, the life, will be saved. Looking at verse 23 through verse 26, he talks about false Christs, false prophets, great signs and wonders. Believe it not, he says, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, there were people that were buying satellites for people in Africa so that they made sure that everybody had a television to be able to see the second coming. And as soon as they got all those satellites up and all those televisions and, and all that electricity going, then Jesus can come back. They're literally, there were, there were televangelists raising money to do that. Now, whether they ever tried to do that, you don't know. Maybe they're just getting the money and running, buying their new jets. You just don't know. But listen, that has nothing to do with it. Think about this. What happens if the whole world goes dark? And it will. God is light. Right? How will every eye see Him whenever He turns on the light? Every eye all over this globe will see Him at the same time. Because He's not going to be Jesus in human form. He's going to be the light when He turns the lights on. You remember Paul uh, saw on the road to Damascus? He saw, a, it was the noonday, and he saw a light brighter than the sun. So that's the second coming there. In verse 28, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation. Now you got people who say, well, boy, all this is going to happen after the tribulation. First of all, it's not called the tribulation. It's called Daniel's 70th week. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. You see, there are people who get that messed up and they go, well, immediately after the tribulation. No. The tribulation of those days, the one that he's described, then something else is going to happen. It's still part of the Daniel 70th week, though. Tribulation isn't over because that's not what he's saying. He didn't say immediately after the tribulation period, the sun will be darkened. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They're going to see the Son of Man coming. Next verse, verse 31, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together the elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. And people say, oh, it's from one end of heaven to the other. Yeah, it's the whole world. 
one end of heaven to the other end of heaven. And whenever east meets west, it will be the whole way around the world. He's going to gather together the elect, those that have trusted Christ. What's He going to do? He's going to send His angels. Remember we studied last night, yesterday, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, for, God, for, for Christ Himself shall descend. Christ is coming back for the church. Now, in this second coming, where is He? He's on a white horse. Where are we? We're on white horses behind Him. What's, he, what's going to happen in front of Him? He's going to send His angels in front of Him because when He comes back, He's going to kill everybody that's left. He's going to destroy all of His enemies, right? Well, so what has He got to do? He's got to send His angels to gather the elect. And listen, a lot of people don't understand that. They don't understand that, look, this is different. He's sending His angels to gather the elect for protection, and they're staying on this earth. It isn't, I'm going to gather the elect and rapture them up because this is the rapture. That is not what's being taught. He's going to gather them, and we'll see some of that. It's the second coming now. Now, no one knows the day or the hour, right? And you know how some of the people, they go, well, you don't know the day or the hour of the rapture. And we do that. I don't, but I used to. That's Matthew 24. You don't know the day or the hour of Jesus Christ's return at the second coming. It has nothing to do with the rapture. How do you not know the day nor the hour? Well, remember it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and so on. Because He comes back doesn't mean that the seven-year period is over yet. So you don't know the day or the hour. What if He comes back two days before the actual physical exact seven-year period? You don't know. And then two more days is after that. You just don't know. So you don't know the day nor the hour, the Bible says. Consistent application. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That has to do with the second coming. It does not deal with um, the rapture of the church. Now, the synoptic gospels. They refer to Lot and Noah as symbolic of Christ's second coming. One of the things that bothers me is when people use Lot and Noah as a picture of protection for the church at the rapture. I mean, Lot and Noah are protected, right? has nothing to do with the rapture. If we have consistent application, you say, where are you? Matthew 24. Heaven and earth will pass away... Well, Noah and Lot have nothing, uh, nothing to do with the church. Now, somebody else has something to do with the church. It's Enoch. Enoch's a type of the church. Okay, let's look at it. Let's look at what the Bible says. Consider how Noah, Lot, Enoch, and Methuselah reveal God's prophetic blueprint. Enoch and Noah are linked as both of them walked with God. Genesis 5.22, Enoch walked with God. After he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. So Methuselah is Enoch's um, son. Chapter 5, verse 24. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. What's that a picture of? The rapture. Does Enoch ever die? No. And then some say, well, he's going to be one of the two witnesses that come back because, you know, he never died. It's appointed unto men once to die. How many times Lazarus die? Is it the exception to the rule? Is Enoch an exception to the rule? If you're caught up in the rapture, how many times are you going to die? Well, it's the point other men wants to die. You see how people get all bamboozled in their brain. Just because the point other men wants to die doesn't mean that everybody's going to die once. 
There are going to be potentially millions of people that will never die at the rapture. Enoch will never die. Why? Because of the rapture, people never die. He's a picture of the rapture. Chapter 6, verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Now notice it's generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So it, it, it attaches Enoch and, and Noah together in a way. So we'll see that here in a second. Enoch serves as the type of the church. Noah serves as the type of the tribulation saints supernaturally protected of God. Enoch's protection. God translates Enoch from earth without dying as the horrors of the flood are yet over the horizon. He's a type of the church raptured or translated without dying. That's Enoch. Okay? That's a picture of the rapture of the church. Enoch's reward. He is still in heaven following the worldwide judgment, picturing the church, the heavenly people. Simple as that. That's who Enoch is. He will never die. What about Methuselah? That's his son. Methuselah, well, that's Enoch's son. He dies at 960 years in the year of the flood. What's really cool, if you get some of these charts, I have one that would go from that wall about two-thirds of the way down, and it shows all of the genealogies. And I didn't see this until you follow Methuselah's genealogy out, and you go, oh, wow, he died in the year of the flood. And you only get that is it, you know, if you got that chart. He died in the year of the flood. He represents those who die before Christ's return only to be physically resurrected at the rapture prior to the commencement of Daniel's 70th week. So Enoch and Methuselah are a picture of the church. One, Methuselah shows those that are, are uh, changed or those that are um, resurrected. And Enoch is somebody that never dies. Both of us gather together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, again, that's the blessed hope. Methuselah's death, his name literally means when he dies, it shall come. That's what Methuselah means. What's it talking about? The flood, but also it could refer to the rapture. Now, we're in Matthew 24, 37. We're going through the whole thing. Then we're going to go back to the beginning. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, till the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, who was taken away in the flood? Noah or those that never got in the ark? Those that never got in the ark. Who knew not? Noah knew. So who knew not? Those that died. Now this is going to become really important here in a minute. They knew not until the flood came, took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. This is a picture. Noah is not a picture of the church being protected. Noah is a picture of uh, the tribulation saint being protected. Where's Noah after the flood? Still on earth. We've been listening to a portion of a presentation given at the Florida Clarity to the Chaos Conference earlier this year. The entire presentation on the pre-trib hoax is available on DVD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. When you order the DVD, we'll include the book, Ready or Not, Here He Comes, for free. 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. 
What happened to the ancient Egyptians? The Persians, the Romans, the Mayans? Are we their descendants? Find out on tomorrow's program. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.